0: Alright, Bible and Daily Lifers, we are going through the New Testament in a year, and we are in chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 2. The Apostle Paul is largely defending himself as the people who he led to Christ and the church that he formed is now turning against him Uh, for whatever their reasons are. You know, they're just an interesting group of people to begin with. They're not unlike uh, people anywhere, anyplace else. We said there, you know, today we would maybe be like people who live in Miami or maybe Paris or London, uh, New York City, uh, San Francisco. Everybody's there. Um, a lot of well informed people, a lot of sex, a lot of uh, partying, a lot of wealth, a lot of everything there. Everybody's there. Well, they're turning against him. <clears throat> he says in verse 1, He says, I made up my mind that I wouldn't make another painful visit to you. You know how that is when you're at odds with somebody for whatever reason it might be? And um, just being together, just being in the same room can be uncomfortable. And Paul said, I really, I really don't like that experience and I don't want to have it and I don't want to get in a situation with you where we're all just in a room together and it just feels awful. He said, for if I grieve you, who's left to make me glad but uh, you whom I grieve? So, you know, if, if it's a chore for you to be around me, yeah, well, how, how am I going to be happy? How are you going to be happy? Tragedy. How and this stuff happens in relationships, friendships? As I wrote, as I did, so that when I came, I would not be distressed by those that should have made me rejoice. I should have been happy when I came. It should have been a great time. But instead, it seems like it's just going to be a <clears throat> miserable reunion. You ever have those meetings where you just dread going into the meeting? You just dread being with these people. You just dread what's going to happen. Uh, he said, "He said I had confidence in all of you that that you all share in my joy. Yeah. We just let's just get along and be happy. For I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart, and with many tears." not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love. I love you guys. And man, this is a mess. He said, if anyone has caused you grief, he has not so much caused me grief as he has grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. So he's talking about a particular incident. What incident is he talking about? He said, the punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now, instead, you are to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Who? Well, you go back into the first letter of the Corinthians, and there was a guy that was sleeping with his father's wife. And Paul said, you guys are like crazy. You're like, you're like doing stuff in Corinth in the Corinthian church that's, you know, weirder, weirder than what people in the world do you know, in the world, you know, people aren't, like, sleeping with their father's wife, and, you know, you guys are just, like, fellowshipping and having a good time and slapping back to you. You're not having a good time with me. You know, I come. You don't want to slap my back. You don't want me around. You don't you don't like me, but this guy uh, who's sleeping with his father's wife, you're all like, oh, you know, come to church. Share a testimony. You know, let's sing a song. Bring your a guitar. Um, and Paul's like, man, get rid of the guy. Like, you, you can't have that in the church. Like, Get him out of there. Let him repent. You know, let the let the devil get at him. Let him, you know, come to his senses. Well, the guy comes to his senses. The guy repents. The guy changes his mind. And now they're like, they won't let him back in. You know, extreme to extreme. That's how people are, like one extreme to another. <clears throat> just let the guy do this, and then, uh, and then when he repents, you're like, oh well, you know, you're bad. You know, man. Paul said, you know, just. Just let him back in. Just restore the guy. Like, let, let the guy have some peace. You know, Let him go on in Christ. Let him, let him rebuild his life. Let him go forward. Like Love the guy. He said, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. Let him know you love him. Another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I forgive. Let's just forgive people. What is this about, this, like, not forgiving people stuff? And what I've forgiven, if there's anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us. You know what this is saying? It's saying that one of the uh, biggest tools, greatest strategy of Satan is... To use unforgiveness. Unforgiveness separates people. Unforgiveness is destructive. Unforgiveness opens the door to all kinds of other stuff. Forgiveness is the key. Forgiveness is the key. Forgiveness is the key. What? What? Did you forget what you just said? No. <laughs> Forgiveness is the key. We need to forgive people. Jesus said when you pray, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us. And Jesus, in saying, give us this day our daily bread, there seems to be some assumption there that you're praying daily these kinds of things, these kinds of topics. Maybe you're praying that prayer by rote. I pray that prayer by rote. I just pray that prayer. And I try to remember uh, to, to make each one of those items something that I'm really sincere about. I don't want to just say in... You know forgive us our sins as we forgive others i i I want my sins forgiven i want to really think about that and i want to forgive others if there's anything i'm holding against anybody else the devil's going to use it against me and he's going to use it against the person that i'm involved with he's going to use it against you and me because if i'm all tied up in unforgiveness it's going to affect the relationship i have with you it's going to affect your relationship with me forgive 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 ah how many times well that's what peter asked right well how about 70 times 7 490 times I think some of the irony of Jesus saying that is that um, who's counting to 490 and even if you were when you got to 337 or something you'd probably like forget oh is that 336 or or am I 338 how, how many you know just forgive like just just keep forgiving so that Satan might outwit us because we're not unaware of his schemes. I remember some years ago just reading that passage and thinking, I'm unaware of his schemes. I don't know what schemes he's using. What what schemes is the devil using? Well, he's using the scheme of unforgiveness, getting people to not forgive each other. <clears throat> now, verse 12. When I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I didn't find my brother Timothy there. So I said goodbye to them and I went on to Macedonia. So, part of the criticism they had of Paul is, you know, Paul wanted to come see him. He didn't come see him. Oh, Paul said he wanted to come. He never came. Well you know, travel in those days isn't easy. And, and a lot of stuff happens. And there's a lot of circumstances. You know, weather. And how do you travel? And how do you get around? And and every place is so far anyway. You know, you're going to take days, if not weeks, if not months, to get to these places. So you set your mind to go someplace like Corinth and take a you eight weeks to get there from maybe where you are. So, you know, he said, I went I went to uh, Troas. I didn't find Timothy. You know, I was bummed out. And so, you know, I went to Macedonia look to look for him. He said, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives into Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. What a beautiful thing it is, you know, to just spread the knowledge of Jesus everywhere we go. I think that's what we all should be doing, you know, as believers is spreading the knowledge of Jesus everywhere that we go. You know, in fact, I'm going to write that down and remind myself, you know, spread, spread the knowledge, spread the knowledge of Jesus everywhere. The beautiful aroma of Jesus everywhere. For we are God, we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are being perished, those who are perishing. So... You know, we smell beautiful among the saved. We smell beautiful among the perishing to God. You know, we belong to him. And everywhere we go, we should be bringing this, this wonderful smell, this wonderful presence of Jesus everywhere we go. You know, when you're in the office, people are, what's that smell? Oh, you know, it's Jesus. Isn't Jesus is beautiful? You know Wouldn't you love to love Jesus? He, he loves you. To another, we're an aroma that brings death. To another, an aroma that brings life. You know, for some people, they just don't want to hear it. It smells awful to them. To the one aroma that brings death, to another aroma that brings life. And who's equal to such a task? Who can do this anyway? Who can be a witness for Jesus? Unlike so many, we don't peddle the word of God for profit. So, even in Paul's day, a lot of people were just, like, making money off this thing. On the contrary, in Christ... We speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Man, Lord Jesus, send us. Send us to be an aroma of beauty. The beautiful message of Jesus Christ, who loves us, died for us, to give us a new life. Lord, help us. And do put us in front of other people where we can share you. In Jesus' name, amen.